How's it going? How's it going, everybody? And welcome to From the Sidelines. My name's Josh Duvall, and I'm here with Chad Davis and Devin Davis. And we've got an awesome interview today with TJ Antone. So make sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter at TJ Antone. That's T-E-J-A-Y-A-N-T-O-N-E. And also, while you're at it, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DFTSPod. Or if you have any comments or concerns, email us at DFTSPod at gmail.com. All right, we're now joined by uh, Reds 40-man pitcher, TJ Antone. TJ, how's it going? It's good, guys. Good. Thanks for having me on. How's the, how's the quarantine treating you? Man, it's not um, too crazy different. Um, just working out. It's, it feels like off-season almost, just without going to the gym. Um, but I'm still going to a different uh, place and getting work, getting my work in, so it's all good. Gotcha. Got to keep that arm loose. Got to keep the arm loose. For sure. <laughs> Uh, so what do you think about what do you think about the whole coronavirus situation? Uh, when do you think baseball will return, and then what type of capacity? Man, I'm I'm hearing some rumors about um, it going on in Arizona. I don't know if you guys heard that. Yeah, um, yeah I saw the Jeff Besson report a few nights ago. Yeah, I, I mean I'm super pumped about that. Um, the, the cool thing is, is uh, fortunately for me, the it it sounds like it would only be 40 man roster guys. Um, so it's unfortunate for someone the other guys, but, um, you know, it, it really stinks getting your season taken away from you like that. Um, but I am excited to get after it and I'm hoping it's, it's sometime in May or June, you know, I, I think it'll be within the next month or two. Yeah, for sure. So how would you say you got started playing baseball and kind of the road of after being drafted, working your way up through the minors and finally making the 40 man? Going uh, all the way back into my childhood, I started playing when I was three. Um, my dad, uh, like, he just put me on the four-year-old team of t-ball when I was three. So <laughs> um, I, I was, my dad played football and baseball at University of Oklahoma. So, it was, you know, athletics ran in the family. Um, so I played baseball. I always played a year up because I was just kind of like a, a bigger kid. Um, and then when I was around seventh or eighth grade he finally put me with my normal age group and I was just like I was a standout because I was I had been playing with those older kids and I was like wow and that's when it got fun for me um went into high school did really well went to TCU on a scholarship didn't get a ton of playing time um still love TCU's great school super cool environment a lot of incredible talent there um I was just working on stuff I had like to go back a little bit in high school, I was pretty much directly over the top throwing four seams, pulling straight down. Um, my senior year, I was getting like, or I guess my junior year, I was getting scouted. I was still throwing like upper 80s. So I was still getting scouted by some small D1s. And um, one of the scouts, you know, I filled in a ground ball and like threw it to first base, had a, like a lower arm slot. And the scout was like, why don't you pitch like that? And so I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, so. I, I lowered my arm slot a little bit and uh, started throwing harder. Uh, that's when the bigger schools came around. And uh, so I went to TCU and I had only like one year of experience with this like lower arm slot. So I was still kind of learning that. Um, transferred to Weatherford College after my first year at TCU um, just to get back in the draft. Um, worked with a really good pitching coach named Flint Wallace. He's actually down at the Texas baseball ranch now. Um, and uh, started throwing a lot harder. It was like... 91 97 then 95 consistently i got up to 97 in juco uh drafted in the fifth round 
so much fun. Our first year, we went to, went to short season Billings and won the, won the whole thing, won the championships. Nice. It was funny because we were so bad in the first half. Really? <laughs> so bad. Yeah, we couldn't win a game to save our lives at all. And then we just went on. Everyone just got hot at the same time. Pitchers got really good. Hitters started hitting, just driving in runs. Started winning. We squeezed into the playoffs by like a game or two. And uh, everybody wanted to go home. Like no one wanted to be there. They were like, all right. Like we literally had a meeting. They were like, all right, you're, we're going to win the first one and we're winning out or we're losing the first one. We're all going home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won the first game by like seven runs or something like that. Like blew them out. We were like, all right, let's just win it. Let's just win the whole thing. So we won the, we, we just, you know, buckled down, won the whole thing. Um, you know, came back, did really good in Dayton. Um, then I went to Daytona the next year, did really well at 14 wins. Uh, like I think it was like tied for Florida State League record or something like that. Um, the following year, I was going to Double A, had a locked in Double A spot. Went to um, spring training and tore my UCL. Um, went through Tommy John rehab, learned so much about my body and just like how the body functions, how to like manage volume better, you know, with the training load. And just, I learned a lot. Um, I really needed that. And then uh, came back and I was kind of expecting to go to double A, um, went back to high A, uh, did really well there. And then last year was double uh, A, triple A. And, um, you know, just it, it did well again, but just always learning. Triple A had some, some bumps in the road but like really good hitters like ex major league guys um and like you know i mean there's guys down there that have five six seven years in the big leagues and um you're facing them you're like dude i haven't faced a big league ever (laughs) you're just learning um i feel like the the name of the game is just being able to adapt being able to adjust and what and i feel like that's one thing i did this off season uh the reds are getting really big into analytics and um, I threw a sinker just based on my arm action, kind of ran and sink. Um, it was like 91, 93. Um, and I would throw a four seam, like four or five every once in a while. And then this off season, they were like, Hey, we're going to have you throw a lot more four seams next year. So I trained throwing a lot more four seams. And I came into spring training as a relief pitcher. And I was like 94, 98. And I don't even know where that came from. Just yeah. came out of nowhere. <laughs> like just throwing more four seams. You learn how to move faster. So right. it was fun. And then, and then coronavirus hit. So, Oh yeah, um, I know that's, that's gotta suck. Yeah, it is what it is. You know, uh, when I was a little kid, I remember playing like in fall ball and it would be like, you know, sub 30 degrees outside. And I'd be like, dad, my, it's so cold. My hands hurt. And be like, you know, everybody that's playing in this game today has cold hands. Everybody has to deal with it. So yeah. you just have to like overcome it. And so I'm, I'm kind of trying to view the coronavirus the same way, the, the whole quarantine thing, you know, everyone has to deal with it. So it's just like how you like, it's the people that are, are doing it right during this time period are the ones that are going to prevail whenever we get to go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, talking about spring training, um, how did you kind of prepare for that? And what was your mindset going in? So I knew I was going to come in. I, I knew that the on the big league side that I wasn't going to come in as a starter. Um, I knew the Reds viewed me as a starter, but I knew that my opportunities during big league camp would be as a relief pitcher. So I came in more on the at preparing as a relief pitcher, knowing that mm-hmm. I'd get time to uh, build up as a starter. So I like to, me personally, uh, not everyone does this, but I like to kind of over um, prepare. And then when I go into spring, I, it's like the workload is a little bit less. 
Plus with like waking up earlier and some of the PFPs and just like team defenses, like it's just a lot of a little bit more wear and tear on your body. So I feel like um, if I over prepare on the pitching side, um, then I'll be like more than ready to to perform in the game. So um, for example, I, I I went in there having thrown two innings already before I even got to camp to live hitters. Um, yeah. Some guys don't even like to throw to live hitters before they get to camp. So I had thrown to live hitters multiple times and I had worked up to uh, what, you know, what they would call an up and down where you get up and you get hot, you throw a bullpen or you throw live BP to hitters and then you actually sit down and cool off and then you get back up. So an up and down uh, two innings. And um, so I was more than prepared and then I came out and uh, they actually gave me the opening day start. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> oh yeah. So, that's gotta be so cool. Uh, oh my gosh. And no game rained out. So oh, no. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't get to do it. So I was really pumped. And then the next, so they're like, all right, you're just pushing the next day. So I'm thinking I'll start the next day. And then they just shuffled it around. And I still got the pitch the next day. I got one inning, but, um, or no, no, no. I got two innings the next day. Uh, I just came in as a relief pitcher and I, I was, I was really amped up and I like, I looked, turned, looked at the, the scoreboard one to see how hard I was throwing. It was like 97. I was like, Whoa, I didn't know. I, I didn't know I had that in the tank, but yeah, just, I, I like to over prepare and, um, and come in. So it's the, my body's just more ready than, um, than I need it to be. Uh, so I was also, uh, reading that you recently developed a slider as a, another pitch in your arsenal. Uh, so you can, you kind of talk about that and what, what that was like and how you think that's uh, enhanced your strikeout potential. Yeah. So I, in high school, my coach, he called it a slider for some reason, but it was more like a cutter. I, I thought it was a slider in high school as well. Um, the way I threw it, the way it kind of broke across the plate, um, it was very lateral. Um, and I, I threw it in high school, threw it all through college. And then the technology started coming out. And like when you actually throw a pitch on a Rapsodo, it plots it in a certain spot. And it was plotting as a, as a cutter. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, I didn't know I threw a cutter. And it made sense because sometimes I did throw it like harder. I threw it like upper 80s. And I was like, okay, that just throwing like a hard, you know, more like a power slider. Like it's not like really loopy. It just kind of just goes across. Um, you know, then Rapsodo was like, based on where it plotted, it was like, oh, that's a, this is a cutter. And I'm like, okay. Um, so then I went up to driveline two years ago, I believe. Yeah, not this past off season, but the off season before, and did a whole pitch design with them. And um, you know, I worked with a guy named uh, Rob up there. I think his last name's uh, Hill. Rob, and uh, you know, he he just talked about getting more depth around it, adjusting the spin mm-hmm. axis a little bit. Uh, it was really fun uh, throwing like throwing a bullpen of 35 sliders. Just you know, you yeah. always think that's like so bad for you, but I felt completely fine and it was a lot of fun just to see the different like metrics of it uh worked on that and then i had like uh my strikeout percentage on my slider went from like 10 percent to like 15 percent on the next year which is like a pretty big jump and then um this last year i think it got up to like 22 percent. so it's getting better um i'm learning how to use it better i'm learning how to like um use it with my other pitches in my arsenal better so it, it's fun. It's just, you know, I, for me, it was just about adjusting the spin axis, the way it spins and uh, not so much. And then also like a little bit in, of intent, like how, how I'm pulling on the ball at the end or like my arm action through. So it's fun. It's just about like playing with it and seeing what works for you. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of pressure is there playing such a vital position like pitcher and how difficult it is to maintain your composure when, hitters start racking up hits on you and they start getting momentum. So, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, it's tough. There was, uh, there was actually two games, uh, this year. I'll talk about them both. One, one was, or not this year, I guess it was last year. Um, one was in Louisville and felt great coming out of the pen. Fantastic. It was a day game. And, um, first inning, I mean, I put up, they gave they put up a five spot on me and I threw like 40 pitches. And I was just like, what in the world? Like I'm, I'm locating, I'm, you know, I'm like, they're just, you know, I maybe left one ball up and he got a hit and then I'm locating and the guy gets a little dribbler through the infield. And it's just like, it'll start getting that momentum like you were talking about. And, uh, you know, it comes down to just like trying to get rid of the emotion in your head because like at the same time, everyone wants you, like, you know, everyone behind you and on, in your dugout and at your home field, they want you to do good. You know, everyone, they want you to strike out that guy. They want you to do good. So, and you want to do, you're your biggest critic. You want you to do good better than anyone else wants you to do. Right. You know? Yeah. So it comes down to like, Hey, everyone's on my, like they're on my side. I have nothing to worry about. So it's just like, why, why am I having these emotions of like, man, I'm really upset with myself for giving up that ground ball. It's like, well, I executed my pitch. so I really can't be upset with myself, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, in that game, unfortunately I had to come out cause the Reds have a rule of like, I think it's like 35 pitches, anything over 35 pitches in a game, you got to come out. So once I got in the dugout, I was pretty emotional about it. I was very, very upset. Um, and you know, but I, after that, it was like, there was nothing I could do about it. Um, I just went inside the dugout and I, or I went into the locker room and I just literally started my next day routine. Um, there, you know, I couldn't do anything about it. I went and looked at some video just to make sure like everything was working well. There were like, a few pitches, like I said, left up. And then, um, other than that, you just get back on your routine. Cause you know, your routine works. Another game we were facing Indianapolis and, um, pr- almost the same thing happened, except, uh, I gave up five runs over 14 pitches which is crazy <laughs> if you think about it yeah <laughs> so it was literally like pitch single up the middle pitch ground ball pitch pitch ground ball like these runs were just like coming in and um man i so i 14 14 pitches i was like out of the inning and had given up five runs and they were all singles too so you know I was just like, man, I, what am I doing wrong? You know, we were doing some shifts and they were hitting opposite of the shift and uh, it was just awful. And I was really upset with myself. And I was like, the best thing I can do now is go five or six innings, just go deep in the game, help out my team, keep the score as it is. And so I just, the new objective was forget the first inning, you know, focus on, focus on what is right, right, right now. And um, so I, I ended up going six at that game. I went six innings. And I gave it five spot on the first inning. So it's crazy. Sometimes you look at a guy's, I, I thought that was one of the best games I had pitched too. And you look at a guy's, you know, line and you're like, oh, I gave up five spot on the first inning. This guy stinks. It's like, no, that guy grinded, you know, you know, yeah. he, he was, he was grinding the whole game. He didn't have his, you know, whatever his pitch, his curveball or whatever. And, and he goes out there and, and he's making pitches and, he, and he's putting up zeros the rest of the game. So it, it's, it's, all, I think it's all about separating, um, to keep your composure on the mound, separating your emotions from like what you're doing. If you're living by your emotions, then yeah, you're, you're not going to have good composure, good or bad. Um, but yeah. I think if you can separate, totally separate from your emotions, just recognize that your emotion is there to help you. It's saying, Hey, you don't want this outcome. Let's make an adjustment or, Hey, you're doing really well. Keep doing what you're doing, you know, and recognizing that say, okay, like I need to make an adjustment and then making an adjustment. 
All right. So this question is kind of my classic question. I ask everybody that comes on here. Uh, so say you're out for a drive, you know, you get a little rumble on your tummy. You're getting kind of hungry, but you couldn't eat a full meal. So you stop at a gas station. What's your go-to gas station snack? Oof. Probably like a chicken sandwich or a slice of pizza. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You really don't eat any pizza that sitting there for a while. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you trust that chicken enough? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, there's this one place, because uh, I do some lessons in the off-season at 7-Eleven, and they have, like, uh, the microwave, like, they're they're cold, they're, like, in the refrigerator, and then you can, like, microwave them when, you're, when you get in there. So, yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely eaten that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so one of the bigger stories this past offseason was the Houston Astros uh, scandal. Uh, you don't have to give me an answer quite like Trevor Bauer might, but <laughs> uh, kind of what's your take on that, and uh, how do you think that's going to Im- implicate uh, future season? Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're always trying to find advantages on the field. Um, for example, there was this, this past year, last year, um, there was a catcher that was really lazy behind the dish. And I could see what sign he was given from the far side of our dugout. And I relayed the sign in to the hitter. But I was not using external technology to do that. I was, use, I was in the dugout. I was using my own eyes. I wasn't using a code software to decrypt the numbers, you know, the, the numbers that he was putting down between his legs. Um, I think what I did, that's part of baseball. If you're, a, if you got a guy on second base and he's relaying signs, you need to change your signs. That's just part of the game. Um, pitchers tip pitches, you know, with what they're doing and hitters will, will relay that. And that's fine. Um, again, I think using, I think they, I think what happened is they were doing what every baseball player does, just tried to find an advantage and they just took it a little overboard. A lot overboard. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I think they just got caught up in the moment. They were like, oh, it's working and let's just keep doing it, you know. And they weren't really thinking about like, wow, we're, we're like legit cheating right now. Like this is cheating. This is the line of cheating and we've definitely crossed it. And um, I'm sure maybe a, a few guys have thought of that. Some of the guys claimed that they didn't do anything. I'm sure they were like, yeah, this is they're cheating. But, um, you know, in the locker room with guys, when, when you have – you know, guys making, you know, 20, $30 million a year feed, trying to feed their family and help their parents out and, you know, whatever it may be, you can't really say, yo, you need to quit cheating. You know, it's like, you're, you're out there fighting. So I understand um, why they were doing it. They were trying to win. They were trying to find advantage and win. I think they went overboard. Yes. I think Rob Manaford didn't, you know, places penalties, uh, hard enough on him i just i think what he was trying to do is like kind of because it was a bad look for baseball it just was i think what rob manifer was trying to do is trying to like push it to the side like oh let's just do something small so no one really thinks about it and does and they won't talk about it on espn well it backfired on him and yeah it they, it really blew up and so it just it just sucks i mean I can sit here and say, oh, I wish they got penalized more. It is what it is. Um, all of us know with the Reds and, and with other teams, I'm sure we know um, the line now. The line was definitely not drawn in the sand. Um, it was, you know, all, in everyone's head, but the line was not drawn in the sand at the time, I would say. But um, it is now, and everyone saw the implications of it. And everyone's, 
everyone's pretty much paying for because I'm sure we're going to lose some viewers in the, in the, uh, at the end of the day. So who is one guy that when they're walking up to the plate, you are terrified of facing as a batter? Um, so this is kind of weird. Like, I feel like I've only faced him once, but any, any hit a rocket off me. I know, like, this is the weirdest thing to say, too. I know I'm better than him, and I know I can strike him out. But, like, he's so, like, all over the place that on any given day, he could hit a a piss missile on any pitch I throw just by the sheer luck, you know. (laughs) And this guy is Javier Baez. Ah, Like, I wouldn't say, like, he walks up and I'm just, like, terrified because I'm not terrified of anyone. Like, I go in there knowing that I'm better than everyone. But, like him getting lucky or him just like his crazy stupid athletic ability to just a pitch that's like three four inches outside him just going whap and just crushing it into the right center gap is just unheard of like he's just so good and when it comes to that and things that so normally when you have like when you're pitching you have like oh yeah this guy's kind of he doesn't like outside pitches you know, um, you know, so I'll pitch outside. You know, if I miss, I'll miss a little bit more outside. Baez is like, like he definitely has his hot and cold zones, but like he could crush a ball in his cold zone. It's just like, what? I threw it right where you told me to throw it. And he crushed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I would say Javier Baez is definitely, um, definitely one of the better hitters I've faced so far. So you're Chris telling Bryant, me, Chris Bryant's pretty good too. Yeah. So you're telling me Kyle Farmer can get him out, but you can't. <laughs> you know, you know, he, he was he was hitting left hand. He was hitting lefty. Yeah. <laughs> and he crushed that ball just straight up into the air. <laughs> That's a lot of confidence to go to the dish left-handed and never have done it before. A lot yeah, of he's, still, he's, still got a, he's still got a monster hit. Yeah, yeah. And Brian O'Grady caught it in center field. Yeah. So uh, going back to uh, spring training, you know, you said you got up to 98 miles per hour. You know, how do you think you kind of upped your velocity? And also, is that the fastest you've ever thrown? 98 is the fastest I've thrown so far. I think I got 100 in the tank. Um, I think a lot of, like, outside forces can play on that. I think, you know, I, I personally cannot just rear back and throw hard. I've been in bullpens by myself. Like, for example, tomorrow I have a bullpen. And I won't throw a ball over 92. Throwing as hard as I possibly can. I just can't do it. But if yeah. you put me on a game, you know, put me on a game, put a better bat in the box, and put some fans in the stand, and you have some drilling going, that's when it's going to come out. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, I think like, 98 was, like, the hardest I've thrown. I, I think, like, put me in, like, a postseason game when there's, like, 60K in the stands and it's going a little nuts. I, I have 100 in the tank, no doubt. Um. My velo- I believe my velocity went up this year uh, because I just adjusted my training a little bit. I've been doing the driveline training for two years straight. Um, I did some a little bit of uh, uh, NPA. It's National Pitching Association. It's uh, Tom House stuff. So I did a little bit of Tom House stuff this offseason as well. And then his balls actually go a little bit his, – his weighted balls go a little bit uh, lighter than the driveline one. So – uh, I got all the way down to the two ounce balls and I was, I was throwing, doing holes and throws with those. So I think the lighter balls helped me learn to move my arm faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like 
so what I'm doing now is I'm still doing the full driveline program, but I am when I do my velocity uh, training phase, I do lighter balls just because what I what was happening is we we veloed all the balls and I was throwing the five ounce, the four ounce, and the three ounce, all, pretty much all the same velocity, um, and which is weird. You should think, oh, you throw a lighter ball, it should go up in velocity, but yeah. I they were like. I was throwing like one mile an hour harder and I just wasn't moving the lighter balls faster. So I had, I had to kind of overtrain the light, the light balls to um, learn to teach, like learn my, or teach my arm to move faster. Also uh, advanced analytics, uh, as you mentioned earlier, has become a increasing part of the game. Um, are there any stats or anything that you've noticed from those analytics that have really helped your game or, anything in particular that you can point to that say like this analytic, like really helped me develop my pitching game. Um, so I love analytics by the way. Um, but the reds have this like software thing. I don't even know really how it works, but it essentially takes your, like a pitch, like just say, for example, my slider. And it, it looks at all the results of all my sliders. And then it like cross checks them with, how how that slider moved like how the slider moved on that pitch so say for example every time the slider had um like a nine inches of like horizontal break or more i got a swing and miss and then if it only had like seven or less uh i gave up a hit so my slider is not gonna always be um nine inches of horizontal you know break that's a lot um but what the Reds will, will give you is saying, hey, look, when you throw your slider with more than than nine inches of horizontal break, you'll get more swing and misses. So it's just in your favor. And so what that does is then it lets go to your training on a bullpen or whatever. And when you're throwing a slider going, oh, that one had seven. Let me make an adjustment. Boom. That one had nine. There we go. What did I do different? Oh, I just pulled a little bit more, you know, sideways. and then you try to repeat it boom so now what it's doing is it's trending your slider more horizontal and it's giving you that that competitive edge so um and for all my pitches there's that kind of hey this is your this is like your average and this is you've thrown it like this before but let's try and trend our average towards that best and so yeah. we're every time we throw that that pitch it's our best pitch instead of like most of the time it, or like sometimes it's that best pitch so that, yeah. that's kind of like how – that's the analytics I like is like showing me how to train better, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, here's a question I ask everyone that comes on here. It's the end of the world. It's a zombie apocalypse. What weapon are you using, and who's the group of guys that you're surrounding yourself with to survive? Ooh, this is pretty easy. Um, so I have uh, AR-15 under my bed, and I have my Glock 17 in my safe. There you and go. I already have some plates, <laughs> some box <laughs> armor. So I'm ready to go on that. The people I would go with are my brother-in-law. He is a dead shot, and um, my uncle. He owns. He like he's a gun collector, like old and new guns, and just like a whole bunch of stuff. And he, so he has like probably, I kid you not, like 40 guns in his collection. So I would just like drive nice. to his house and just at least have plenty of, of, uh, you know, variety to choose from. Yeah, you'd, be, you'd be able to take on any horde with all that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
So uh, when you're getting ready to start a game, you need to get hyped up. What would you say is your go-to song, go-to playlist, whatever you want? Uh, go-to song. <clears throat> I like Drake. I like, I like, so I'm, I don't like to get like super hyped up because I'm already like super, a uh, pretty uppity uh, guy. So I need something that's pretty like still upbeat, but um, more like smoother, I guess I would say. Yeah. Um, I just like, so I like Drake. It's like good beat, good consistent. Like he's got good lyrics. I like a lot of the songs. And then there's a, like my, my walkout song uh, last year was, um, Echo by Elevation Worship, which is, it was like a Christian song. Yeah, okay. Um, but it, I just, it had a great beat and it just like kept me relaxed. Like, like when I was yeah. out there, like, still upbeat, like having fun and, and yeah, it was good. Uh, so I read a story, um, whenever you got the call that you were being promoted to the 40 man, you were actually on a, uh, mission trip. Uh, so can you kind of talk about like what that moment was like and when you finally got the call to the 40 man? Yeah, so I was uh, I was in Puerto Rico do a mission trip. I've been doing a mission trip the past two years. Um, it's just it's through a company called UPI, and we do free clinics for kids, and then we just like share the gospel after. It's it's so fun. Like those kids are like just awesome. awesome. Um, and we so we and, and it's kind of like for us too. We like get together as a group, group of baseball guys, and we're like ministering to each other. So we're just doing like Bible studies and stuff. Um, so we were going to, uh, the clinic for that day. So in the morning, it's like, we do, you know, group Bible study, um, and like usually a little workout and then, uh, we grab lunch and then we head to the clinic and it's usually in the evening, like four to six or something like that. And so we were driving, we had like an hour and a half drive to the clinic. And so in the car with, uh, some of the, you know, ex, ex major leaguer, Tony Graffinino and, uh, two other minor leaguers. And, um, I got a phone call from an Ohio number. I knew that day. I knew the day I was like, I think it was November 20th. Um, I was like, okay, today's the day either I get put on or I don't get put on. And you know, it is what it is. And so I got a call from an Ohio number. I never answer phone calls from random numbers. I just, I'm not trying to get scammed and I'm just don't do it. Leave me a message. I'll call you back or shoot me a text. And so I got a call and I saw it from Ohio number and I'm like, ah, all right, I got to answer it. I got to answer it. So, uh, you know, I answered it and you let me know I was, I was getting put on a 40 man. And it was just like all this stuff, you know, like, you know, it was like one of those, it was like almost, almost as good as getting drafted. I mean, it was right underneath it. Uh, I, I think being drafted was still like so much cooler. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do think actually making it to the big leagues, having my debut will probably be better. will definitely be better than uh, getting drafted. But um, yeah, just like all this, like, you know, going through surgery and all, you know, these, these like memories are just like kind of flooding through your, your mind and you're thinking of your family. You're thinking of your, thinking of my wife. I'm thinking of like, you know, all the workouts I'm doing, like just like crushing myself. And it's just like all like coming to fruit, you know, you know, to happen and like whatever. And so, you know, I started like tearing up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So he told me I made it and then called my wife and she didn't answer. And then I called my parents, told them, and my wife was in a meeting with her boss and I called her, uh, one of her friends that works with her. And I was like, I was like, you go tell Kelsey, she needs to call me. She's like, Oh, she's in the meeting. And I'm like, I don't care. You go knock on the window and you tell her to come out of the meeting. Cause she's got to <laughs> call me. And so she did. She's like, 
told her that uh, it was urgent. No one's dead, but it was very urgent. And so she called me and, you know, I told her that I made the four mans and she was super happy. But yeah, it was super, <laughs> very, very cool moment. Cool. It was cool to have it with, be with baseball players too, because, you know, they kind of know how, how big of a deal that is. And um, yeah, it was just awesome. It was a great time. So do you have like a funny or a strange behind the scenes story uh, off the field that maybe the public wouldn't know that kind of just happened, you know, internally within the organization? Yeah, we uh, we had a this is kind of funny. We had during uh, spring training this year, we had a thing called uh, Reds Got Talent. And it was all. (laughs) Yeah, it was all the um, it was all the first year guy. If you had less than one year of service time you it was a talent show for us and it was cool like it was it was really bad like i i tried to dance and i did really really bad <laughs> and so i got like i got like food off the stage but whatever like it was really fun and then some guys were like really good like really talented guys <laughs> like one guy did impersonations and like it was really he was like spot on another guy did like animal noises um <laughs> there was there was a guy there was like multiple magic tricks where there were like really good magic tricks. Um, I'm sure they like looked them up on YouTube and just practiced a few times. But, uh, uh, Tyler Stevenson did uh, the Napoleon Dynamite dance, which was like really funny. Yeah. So we, yeah, it was a little red, red's got talent. Cool thing was Joey Votto bought us. Um, well, he didn't buy everyone. So first prize got like a MacBook Pro. Uh, second prize got like a really expensive backpack. It was called it's a Tumi backpack. It's like $500. And then uh, third prize got like $300 cash. Very cool of him. Like he didn't have to do that. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, just like little things like that. Uh, you know, stupid little things like that. And just guys clowning on each other all the time. Especially the, like Amir. Amir would always clown on me like every day. <clears throat> just wear me out. Just wear me out every day. But it was nice. Like he, he, it, was out of a, it was out of a loving heart. So love that guy. All right, man. I think I got one more for you, uh, and then well, yo, yeah, yeah, let you go. <laughs> um, so, what piece of advice would you give for aspiring baseball players, or just anyone in general aspiring to do something? Uh, make a sacrifice. Um, there's a lot of. I was just telling my kid this the other day because, like I said, I work with some kids in the off season. This one kid's pretty talented, and um, but he's like definitely like a more popular kid in the school, and he he gets wrapped up in like. Um, you know, playing video games late at night and like, you know, girlfriend, this, that, and the other. Now I'm yeah. telling like, dude, you gotta make, you gotta make a sacrifice. You want to be, you want to go pro, whatever it may be, football or baseball, or, or even like, you know, I want to be, I want to work for NASA, like whatever it may be, you have to make a sacrifice because just the normal Joe ain't going to, he's not going to make it. You have to be different. Yeah. And whether that's like getting off, you know, Xbox early to go get an extra hour of sleep or just making sure you're not eating like five cookies, eat one, you know, like don't yeah. be, don't be like the normal human, like be different, like make the sacrifice to do the right thing. You know, you don't have to be perfect, but just make a sacrifice towards your goal. And if you're always making sacrifices, always, always, you know, pushing towards your goal. Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll go in that direction. Hey, I wanted to play pitcher when I was like 10 years old in Little League. My coach laughed at me and said, haha, go to right field. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love haters. I love haters. All they right, make- man. I think that 
I think that wraps it up. We really appreciate you coming on, though. We had we had a great time, and we really enjoy it. And best of luck with whenever the season starts, you know. Awesome. Thank for you sure. guys so much. Thanks for having me. You guys have a good one. See yeah. you. You too. All right. A special thanks to TJ Antone for coming on. It was a great interview. We really appreciate the time and the interview. Uh, be sure to follow him on Instagram and Twitter, at TJ Antone, at T-E-J-A-Y-A-N-T-O-N-E. And be sure to check out our social media at Instagram and Twitter at the FTS Pod. We're doing a March Madness Twitter bracket. It's currently in the final four, so be sure to check that out. Get your votes in. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us to theftspod at gmail.com. Bye. Bye have a great time. time.